Okay, today's conversation is uh, about the future of enterprise 5G applications. And to do this, I am joined by Tom Lawson, who is the global telecommunications leader at EY. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Bernard. Nice to be here. It's so nice to have you with us. Where are you joining us from? Today in the world-famous Bossendijn. No, that's actually a small place close to Amsterdam from the Netherlands. Very good, very good. Maybe you can, we can start by you giving us a quick overview of your background and how you became the, the global telco lead for EY. Sure. Yeah, no uh, pleasure. Actually, Bernard, if you think about it, I think I'm now by 2022, 30 years active in the telco industry. So I started off working with uh, the Dutch leading telco KPN for seven years, and I switched to uh, to another professional services organization where I uh, led technology media telco for them in the Netherlands. Later on, was part of their global leadership team for tech media and telecom, and had the honor to um, be directly client responsible for one of the largest telcos on the globe. Switched to EY about three years ago, reason really being that I felt that the telco industry and being successful in the telco industry requires quite a different approach than I would say optimizing and improving what you already do. I think today, and we'll probably discuss it a little bit, to be successful to flourish, it's really about what are the services that you're stepping into? What are the markets in which you'll compete? How do you compete? Um, and I felt that EY is very strong in that space, being able to reimagine how you could work as a company, being able to then, with a very broad portfolio, support support our clients to get there. So that is, in a nutshell, the background and my role today at EY. Very good. So what does your role involve nowadays? What do you do with your day? Yeah, in simple terms, EY provides four kinds of services, right? They provide uh, assurance, they provide uh, strategy and transaction support, provide tax and legal services, and then business and, uh, and technology consulting services. All those services that they uh, provide to telco companies, you could say it's my responsibility that we provide the right services and we provide them in the right way. If you have to break down the, the, the typical focus areas for myself on the one end, of course, it's building brand and reputation and, and having a perspective on the future of the telco industry. Second part is a little bit more focused on making sure that what we know, the methodologies we have, the approaches we have, the at times software assets that we have, that they are really accelerating and sophisticating the approaches that we take. So that's an important part. And thirdly, it's making sure that all this intelligence and good reputation then works in terms of having the right client conversations. So that's on the one hand, myself being engaged with those client conversations, but it's also building the community and making sure that the community acts with the wisdom of EY and the telco industry with other than maybe the wisdom uh, of, of the sole person. So yeah, that's, um, that's what I um, focus on and what's keeping me busy here, Bernard. Very good. So EY have just launched a new study, Reimagining yeah. Industry Futures, I believe, for which you surveyed of a thousand enterprises on their attitudes towards emerging technology. 
And there was a specific focus on 5G and IoT. And the findings indicate that businesses are prioritizing 5G applications that drive real world benefits now, rather than futuristic use cases. What is driving this? And where are you seeing businesses focus their 5G investment today? Yeah, so I think if you think about it, by 2019, Korea had already rolled out a complete national covering a uh, 5G network, which is three years ago now. And and so what you see happening is that whereas in the um, approach to those national rollouts, already companies were trialing 5G, they trialed on all kinds of uh, solutions. I think in the last three years, we've really come to a place where you know, using 5G as a technology to improve yourself as a company is no longer a discussion point. And people have found where they can actually, where they can actually use it to, well, produce with better quality, produce faster, produce low, you know, potentially at lower cost. And so what we see that, especially in the place of tracking manufacturing processes work, tracking how assets flow, tracking logistics over different locations, over different countries, maybe not the most sophisticated solutions. Another example is remote healthcare and being able to do that also over the mobile for making it easier for people than maybe having to go on a laptop. It's relatively, you could say, simple applications, but very much applications that give you a direct benefit in terms of saving money, being able to do things more efficient, or in the example of healthcare, making sure that suddenly you expand the reach of your services. And we feel that yeah, that's now where companies benefit from applying the technology and that's where they apply it. Okay, so when we look at 5G technology, what are people wanting to use it? What are some of the key benefits then of 5G technology? I think there's like three sort of main characteristics that are attractive, right? There is the much more speed, then there is the lower latency. So the immediate response between, you know, you doing something or the device doing something that being picked up by the network, you getting a response. And then of course, there's the ability to connect up to a million, but by now already more than a million different things per square kilometer to 5G. The first one, the speed, is clearly one, for example, in the healthcare example, which is accepted and also in the consumer space, you know, being able to play a, a game on your mobile phone is something which is being widely used. I think the second one is really the IoT characteristics. So being able to connect many devices to it. Now you could argue, well, you could already do that with previous technologies, which is all true, but there is a big advantage is being able to have one and the same network to integrate against having the responsibility for that network, the SLAs, whether it's on the speed or it's on how all these devices uh, are being uh, able to connect to one of the same network. I think the benefit is really to have that as one network and then also having that as one in implementation is something which we see is, is really helpful. Maybe the final point there to make, uh, Bernard, is that network solutions are increasingly gaining popularity because that sort of provides the benefits that I was just speaking about. But then in addition, the level of security becomes controllable when you sort of you know set that up behind your firewall it allows you to really manage and tune it in the way that you'd like it to work for your company so you were talking about the fact that korea started to roll this out a few years ago so and and we're now catching up i guess in europe and the us do you feel that th this technology has finally come of age 
Yeah, I would say so. It has come of age. There are still these little burps here and there in the United States recently where with the aviation controls, there was some difficulty in progressing it. There's still some debate in some countries where should there be spectrum available for enterprises? But also in the last two years, auctions have been taking place and I think it's really moving forward. And as I said, I think a few minutes ago, by now, Almost all enterprises that we spoke to said, yeah, this is a technology we should be using. And we're either investing already now at scale or we're going to do that in the next three years. I think we're at maybe one in five saying, not sure I will invest in the next three years. So that means 80% is convinced they should you know, leverage this technology. It's there. People know how to use it for their benefit. So, and what I found surprising in the report is that it says that some of the European countries are now leading on on five G adoption, whereas countries in in Asia, in the Middle East, where the intentions are actually falling at the moment. So, do do you think that's a problem around confidence with five G? Yeah, so it, it, here we go a little bit to interpretations, Bernard. I think our analysis or our hypothesis on this is a bit more that if you look at China, if you look at Korea, the actual number of 5G connections are up to 40% of the total connections. So mm. whereas that's very different a score if you go to some of the European countries. So to us, yeah. it feels a bit more that's now just accepted. The nationwide rollouts have taken place. 40% of the connections are 5G. And slowly but surely, you see them already start to eye on, okay, how would 6G look like for us? And I think the mind shift is going on there a little bit more. Whilst in, in Europe, we're, uh, we're still a little bit in the, uh, let's say, catch-up phase, I would say. So what future trends do you envision, envis envisage for 5G use cases then? Will more advanced applications start to emerge across industries? Yeah, I think what the research also is telling us that for sure there will be really an, uh, a big expansion on the, let's say, more down-to-earth direct benefit use cases, which has to do with tracking, which has to do with controlling, has to do with helping robotics function at a better, in a better way. We do still expect also that the virtual reality, augmented reality, building digital twins, the advantages of that are also really clear, but it's a bit more difficult to, to implement. It's a bit more, I would say, bigger investment and returns maybe a bit further out. We would expect that those uh, will come to life also in the next two to three years for sure. So are there any specific industries where you see the, the, the greatest possibilities for 5G? I mean, the areas where I see a lot of interest is around agricultural businesses around healthcare. What's your view on that? Yeah, I think you're right. Healthcare, for sure, I think also probably driven by the uh, you know consequences of the pandemic, the idea of doing things remotely, whether that is patient to doctor or whether it's actually doctor to doctor assistant, uh, surely is something which we see happening. I think in the agriculture, and we also hit a little bit, I think, on the point of what's the contribution of 5G to sustainability and to environmental goals. And it becomes increasingly clear that you know, doing smart agriculture, knowing how the crops are doing, how much water and nutrition they would need, and then very specifically addressing it has become a theme, I think, where people would say, yeah, that's a good thing to do. Of course, because of the ability to get to better profits, but also to um, contribute to... Um, 
a, a better planet. So I think those two definitely uh, important. I think the other one is that manufacturing, smart manufacturing. And again, two benefits on the one hand, if you do it well, more profits. But on the other hand, also the environmental impact, which should be uh, much lower if you can go to precision manufacturing. So I think those are the three which, um, yeah, do look like front runners. And do you have any favorite examples and practical examples of companies actually using this technology on the ground and getting some benefits from it? Yeah, I think maybe to come back to the agricultural one, right? The, the opportunity now and the application of saying, okay, we go with a video camera over the crops and pick up all the signals in the live streaming whilst the big tractor is going over it with a speed of 40, 50 kilometers per hour getting that to an edge cloud server processing it on the spot video uh, uh, recognition and then steering back what should be the feeds in terms of water nutrition pesticides i think that's the kind of example which can only be done with this technology right picking up the broadband signal having the low latency communication to that edge cloud server where that smart software is so i think that's a great way of doing things in a different way more profitable and also much more uh, environmental healthy i would say yeah, that's a great example. Do you have another example maybe from healthcare? I think in the healthcare, what we see happening is this whole idea of saying we get the best kind of healthcare service, surgery being guided by either augmented reality or being guided, as we've seen a few examples, by somebody else very remotely, but being able to provide assistance on the spot. I think that is something which is super promising. Also, the haptic uh, applications where you feel basically through pressures and other things where to go to. I think that is spectacular. No, that brings, well, basically the best healthcare surgery possible from one place to the whole globe. And, and so, uh, again, maybe double uh, perspective on the one hand, a better way to do it. And on the other hand, something directly contributing to uh, the greater good of society. Mm, absolutely. You mentioned augmented reality, virtual reality as one of the technologies that could benefit from 5G because we then have the opportunity of having completely untethered glasses, for example, and which I, I guess brings us to, to the metaverse as well to some extent. Do you, do you feel that 5G has a contribution to make in making the metaverse work? And what's your overall view of the metaverse and where we are with all of this yeah so that's an interesting that's an interesting question bernard look on the metaverse maybe in terms of definition on the one hand you can look at it as okay you should have the glasses on and it's really a 3d virtual reality immersive experience right the maybe slightly less ambitious definition would be being in a space mind your mind which is not the physical space happening when you look at your mobile phone suddenly you get into sort of a digital world where you see things happening although it's still 2d or i mean two-dimensional and so what i see happening i guess what we all see happening is that the percentage of time that you spend in the digital world versus in the physical world and and again doesn't necessarily need to be with goggles on but could be just being in a digital world that time is definitely going up i think with 5g and being able to create a three-dimensional world that world becomes even more attractive and so i think the amount of hours that you will be spending in that world is going to uh, is going to increase is 5g important yes if we don't have the 5g speed the attractiveness of 
what you what you see in front of you will probably remain two-dimensional will therefore remain a little bit more uh, limited and there are certain things like in famous examples of course of you know trying out clothes that becomes a much easier if you're in a 3d world than when you're in a 2d 2d uh, world so i think 5g with a speed with a low latency with the ability to create this virtual reality is a very important one it allows you also to do that everywhere not just sitting behind your desk and will we go towards that metaverse like world i think i answered that a little bit in the in the start of it yes for sure we will be increasingly spending time uh, uh, in this digital world and 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 to also increasing intent it will be 3d instead of 2d very good but not on, on that one we did a little bit of research right today i think there is like 12 million of those you know virtual reality headsets and most of them actually unused there is almost 2 billion smartphones so i know of the doubling effect and it could go fast but there is probably some way still to go in this space yeah i completely agree in one of the things you mentioned was 6g then the next evolution i i work with a number of of companies working in in this space trying to develop the next iteration of mobile technology so do, do you have any views on when we might see the the next wave of evolution and what they might include other than what we have today with better latency better speed and and better better security yeah i think so difficult to predict when we actually will get to sort of commercial stage for me i think that's at least probably five six years six years out i think the whole idea of being immersive right whereas of today it's your ears and your eyes who sort of you know do get uh, 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 tingled when when we interact in a digital way I would expect that also movement, sensing, all that becomes part of it. And that, of course, requires you to, well, be in that 3D world. It, it probably requires, instead of having one million uh, devices that you can connect per a square kilometer, probably we need a multifold of that in order to be at that granular level. Some, some of the thoughts I have on this were not, but I think we're pretty busy working with our clients to, uh, to see how they can benefit from 5G and I... Uh, expect that to be the focus in the next two three years to go absolutely i agree your study also found that 71 percent of enterprises are interested in buying 5g through an intermediary rather than directly from a a telco and and only 19 percent thought that telcos are actually digital transformation experts so does this credibility gap threaten the future of telcos and what do they need to do about that yeah so i think in some sense it, it does th threaten it right because if you buy your connectivity as part of a bigger solution from somebody else typically business school uh, rules would tell us that drives prices down because you're not at the table you're more of a commodity supporting another one and that doesn't allow you for much price differentiation or price premium so that's not a that's not a good that's not a good thing also if you look at sort of the value chain right applications software devices connectivity storage connectivity five to ten percent of the total so if there's an aspiration to grow the business then the logical thing would be to design the solution help implement the solution do some of the do some of the software so the fact that indeed 71% is actually looking at others to provide that connectivity and then maybe 
as a part of their solution, having the uh, telco infrastructure in there is not a good thing. Look, I think w- the way we look at it is that th- there's different options for telcos. One is to say, okay, this is my area where I play, it's infrastructure, and I'm going to be fully focusing on infrastructure, going to make it really cost-effective, highly automated, uh, and you know probably multi-tenant in places where I can, because that's how I make money. And not necessarily a bad business. There's a lot of infrastructure companies uh, arising and they're doing pretty well. The other one, you could say, sits much more at the other end where you are the provider of end-to-end solutions, where you do work with the enterprises to say, hey, how do you benefit from this 5G? Bring the software, bring the hardware devices and create the end-to-end solution. Bigger market to tap into, probably also more of competition in there. I think the important point is for uh, a telco to sort of choose um, where do they want to play and once they have made that decision really then also organize themselves to have the right capabilities as an infrastructure player there is still good money to be made i think where it becomes difficult if you're a bit of both and maybe on the one hand are a bit have too many people have a, a an operating model focused on doing the end-to-end client conversations and deals whilst in fact what you're doing is is much more uh, should require a leaner operating model and a leaner way of organizing very good so at mobile world congress ey's main focus will be on will be around businesses including telcos and how they can overcome some of the challenges you've just mentioned and how it is important to work as part of a powerful cross industry ecosystem to make this all happen so can you maybe elaborate a little more on on that yes for sure bernard no so look as in my introduction, I've been working in the telco industry for 30 years now. I was fascinated uh, when I started about, let's say, the good, the force for good that telcos are, right? Bringing together people, enabling social life. I felt that was an important thing. And telco industry has basically given me as a person, as an individual, a lot. I think also, if you look at telcos and how they behave during the whole pandemic, but I would say behave in general, right? They step up to the challenge. They make sure that things keep working. They try and and deal in a very conscious and, and, and compliant way with data, very trustworthy. So really, I think custodians of a good uh, digital society. So in that sense, I'd love, you know, for telcos to, uh, to flourish. I think it's my heritage, but also I think it's good for, um, it's good for society. And so when we speak about the ecosystem, it's really to this uh, option of saying, how can telcos be more of the end-to-end solution provider? So be in that spectrum, which would allow them to grow. I think enterprises are interested in that. Yes, 71% said I could take it from another. It also very much depends on the market segment. I think with uh, small, medium enterprises, many of them are now going into cloud and connectivity and the... um, and, and the bigger enterprise, and, and they may be actually the ones who really like to work uh, with a telco. So how we going into MWC is focused on how can telcos take that end-to-end solution role. For that, they need to work with these system integrators, need to work with the software companies, need to work with the hardware companies. We happen to know them. We have an idea on how that cooperation could work successfully. And uh, yeah, we'd love to uh, engage with them and, and have the conversation. Very good. So maybe we can finish off with looking at your hopes for the future of the telecom industry. Do you have any hopes or any predictions about the future? 
Yeah, Bernard, I would love for them to, you know, really be flourishing in that role of end-to-end -end solution provider. That means going also into private enterprise networks. It means in having these partnerships set up with software companies, hardware companies, having that client-facing role in designing with them how 5G and Edge Cloud and IoT will make them will make them better companies. If that doesn't appear to be the right choice for telcos, there is other options. We spoke about the infrastructure option, and also that is a way to flourish. We're there to basically have conversations and see what would be the right sort of strategic horizon for the clients that we speak to. And uh, well, we'd love to work with them and see how they can be as successful as can be. Very good. Thank you so much, Tom, for your time today. Pleasure, Bernard.